So did you grow up in California? I did, yeah. Um, born in L.A. Uh, yeah, I've lived here my entire life. What are you uh, thinking about the state? I, I mean, I have such mixed mixed views. I, look, I love this state. And, and you know, I, I would tell people, hey, you know, there are more people who voted for Trump in California than any state in the union, I believe, except for Texas and maybe Florida. Maybe Florida, yeah. Um, um, but that said, it's it's still crazyville when it comes to 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 state government and and the things they do. I mean, it's such a a beautiful place to live, and there's just so much crap going on that it makes me it makes me want to punch my face. It's too. It's the the state is I think too big now. I think it's it's it it's. Uh, I I used to think that the movement to split California into four or five different states was a bit crazy, but now I'm not so sure. <laughs> Yeah, Actually, no, I'd live up in what do they call the northern area? Freedom, Freedomville, oh, or um, Jack, uh, J- Jackson, State of Jefferson, State of Jefferson. I was close. Jefferson. Yes, yeah. I'd I'd actually move up to Jefferson if I got to be like tied into Idaho, southern uh, southeast right. part of uh, southeast part of Oregon, and a, and a couple of the others. But I don't know. well, I wonder. I, I like I said, I, I've I've lived here all my life, and I'm 50 years old. I I I wonder how much longer. I'll be able to stay. It just, it, it's with every year, there's just something, one more damn thing. Right. Right. And, but the, I think the big thing would be if, and uh, you know, this isn't, there's a people all over the country who are going to be listening to this, but California uh, in 1978 passed a, a ballot initiative called proposition 13 that put a cap on the growth of property taxes. So California has probably the one of the highest income tax rates in the country. I think Connecticut and uh, Hawaii might be higher, but we have probably one of the highest income tax rates and other taxes are very high. Gas taxes are very, very high, but property taxes are near the bottom um, in the country. And what would happen if that were to ever go away is that people with, you know, uh, people on fixed incomes, for example, like my mother, who's lived in the same house for since 1966, uh, who has a pretty cool tax rate would see her taxes go through the roof. But but wait a second, but prop 13 only, only grandfathers in people who, who were there at the time that proposition 13 passed. Right. I mean, proposition 13, it's got a few other little provisions a two thirds and and some other things, but I mean, I keep paying more property tax every time I, every time I either buy and sell a house or they can just re redo it. So it's only people who were owned a house in 1976. So what percentage of the state does that, does that affect? Ooh, I'm not sure. I, I really don't know, but what but what it would mean in in practice, though, uh, Ken, is that um, the state and local governments would no longer be restrained with the rate of growth. Right. So there would be there would be tax competition. Jurisdictions wouldn't want to jack up property taxes too quickly or too much too soon. But they wouldn't be limited to the, I think, one percent a year that that they're limited to now. And that, and, but yes, as you as you say, if you sell a house and then you buy a new house, you're taxed based on you know the 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 new value of that house. So, but my mom, you know, my mom's lived in the, this 
place since 1966. My parents bought it for $48,000 and, and it could sell for quite a bit more than that. You know, it's a, it's a tough one because it's kind of like rent control. Right. And, you know, you talk to somebody living in New York or San Francisco and they're like, yeah, I pay $400 a month for my for my right. uh, my apartment. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm paying 4000 a month for, you know, 1400 square feet. Yeah. And and in one hand, it's it's an unfairness to people who've been around that that long. On the other hand, the concept of, OK, your mom moved into a house and then the house value appreciated. So she's probably right. got some dough into that unless she's gotten some, some taken some money out of that. No. But the concept of, of somebody having to sell their house because the taxes were too high. Well, that was, little, well, that's a little icky, right? I were mean, you that's here like, in uh, 78? I was a so child. 76, right? 76, so, 78. Well, look, I was 11 and 12 years old when this thing passed and, and right. it was a terrific lesson because right. I realized at a young, young age, all these politicians are full of shit. <laughs> so so like I was there and and everybody was like, well, Proposition 13 passes. You know what we have to do? We have to first fire all the police and we're stopping. Right. Uh, you know, we're not going to we're not going to have have firefighters put out fires anymore. Yeah, that's right. My 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 I remember my my marching band. I was in junior high at the time. My band teacher, you know, that was the, the seminal event. Uh, you know, I was a band geek. And he was like, well, no more marching band, no more this. And, you know, it's all going. And, and I went to my dad and I was like. Dad, we're not going to have marching bands. He's like, ah, oh, please. I could send you for to private school for as much money as I'm going to save on this thing. So, so right. he was kind of like, yeah, they're full of prunes in the way that yeah. you know a 60 year old guy could do back then. But then he was right. It was like it passed, and you know what changed? It was like, yeah, kind kind of nothing. I mean, I mean, things changed, but there was no like. You know, the police still came when you dialed nine one one. Right. The the fires they they still squirted water on buildings on fire. So they figured out ways to finance. They figured sources. out exactly. So that's Plenty when I ways. first realized, oh, people who are screaming about doomsday are often just full of crap. Right. But the remember the the impetus for the thing in the first place was that people were losing their homes. Yeah, sure. They couldn't pay. They were going. You know, the, the state was seizing their properties. And that was that had to do with a lot of, you know, then that was that was a lot of elderly people in, in practice. And so I think about that and I, 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 you know, I would I would hate to see that calamity befall my mom, who's in her mm-hmm. 80s and doesn't have to shouldn't have to worry about this nonsense. Right. You know, um, but there's a lot of or she refinances and pulls a half a million dollars out of her twelve hundred well, square foot. Temple frankly, City house. Frankly, I, I would at that point, I would say, you know what, this this state is no longer hospitable. But the, the problem is, have you looked around for someplace else? Because they also have some. I mean, California has a lot of shit going for it when, when push. Comes oh, sure. Sure. It's like my son just moved to Tennessee, mm-hmm. mainly because of politics, taxes, gun mm-hmm. rights, all that stuff. He wants to start a business. He's like. Every time he turns around, they put an extra extra sure. problem on the business, and then if you finally succeed, they steal more than every, everybody else. But I don't think I can deal with 98% humidity in July, August, September. It's just right. like, okay, mosquito, you know, I don't want, I, I can't handle mosquitoes. I got typo blood. I, I, they, they suck the life out of me. Every so, time I look at that, California still comes on top to me. California has, yes, the weather is a big, big factor. And, you know, I live in the mountains now. And so I live just a smidge over 6,000 feet. And so I get snow. We're expecting snow on on Christmas Eve. I had four inches of snow in my driveway last week. Um, So 
I like the mountains. And so I, I look at a state like Idaho where lots and lots of Californians are moving, but may not be prepared for the weather. And I think to myself, well, Maybe after maybe after the the bloom you know falls off of that rose for a lot of transplants and they realize oh my god you know I've got to shovel snow I've got it's it's negative ten outside we're going to Arizona so I, Idaho is my Zillow porn you yeah know, that's, that's a, yes <laughs> I'll go yes. on to the, although you know even in the last couple of years I'd say okay for X amount of dollars what can I buy there and that's gone down a lot as all yes. the Californians flee there yeah. and and it's like okay as I'm looking at it it's like Southeast part of Idaho, it eh, doesn't look too much fun. Even the southwest part of Idaho doesn't look all that fun. I, it, for me, it's either go the expensive, snobby, liberal place, which is Sun Valley, right, and just the you know one of the most beautiful places in the world, or I go with men and I move up to Sandpoint and 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 the Panhandle. I've been right? <laughs> I've been concentrating my search on between Sandpoint and Bonner's Ferry, which is right on the Canadian border. Yeah, but man, you got you got to have balls made of steel to live there. I mean, I mean they, I'm they, up for it. I'll come and visit you to, yeah. to try it out. I have a I have a cousin uh one of my very favorite cousins who who in the 70s 80s lived in LA had a you know had a good drywall business and was just like you know what nope I'm I'm moving I'm moving to Idaho and I'm going to build myself a log cabin found a woman who thought the same way as as him went up there literally like cut the tree you know spent all his money sold his business and bought just some land up there stripped the trees cut the trees built himself up a log cabin uh, no water. I mean, had to had to go drive in truck in in his truck and and have a fifty five gallon drum to bring the water up for the first three or four years, and and it was like you know he had to shoot what he ate. I mean, you know, when he ran out of money, it was like it was it was wilderness time, like the crap you and I read about in in the Daniel Boone times. And that man's name, Randy uh, Weaver. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, he probably has more guns than Randy Weaver ever had. His name's Dave Gullo. He he runs a uh, he he was one of the best. Do you know what black powder cartridge rifle shooting oh. is? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He he has uh, Buffalo Arms, and mm-hmm. so so for those who don't know, black powder cartridge is is it was the era before you know the Davy Crockett thing where you would pour the the powder in there and bite off the wad and then put put the bullet in it was a cartridge but it was still that same old black powder that caused right. huge puffs of smoke so you'd see that kind of civil war time you know you'd right. see them fire it and the smoke comes out of here and he was like on it wasn't Guinness Book of World Records he was on the uh, one of those other shows like that of hitting a target at, at like a mile distance. I mean, he was an wow. amazing shooter on that. And now he's got a company up there that, that produces and, and sells parts for black powder cartridge. Perfect, perfect thing for, for living in Idaho and the last I, guy you want to fuck with. Yeah. Right. I, that's the thing. I, you've got a lot of independent minded people up there. You have people who want to govern themselves and who want to be more or less live, left alone, but they also have strong communities up there there's a lot of religious folk up there my mother you mentioned the southeast part of the state my that's where my mom grew up oh, okay uh, in a little town called uh, grace which okay. i think the population is still 900 and change it was 900 and change in the 1930s uh they have one bar they have one restaurant they have one right. grocery store if you huh. want to really and not a very good grocery store if you want to 
actually get supplies. You have to drive about an hour to Pocatello. Right. And uh, yeah. Um, was she, is, is she or was she Mormon? Because I want to say the state's yeah, about a quarter is, I'm not. Okay. Yeah, she is. I'm not. Um, she uh, and we still that, have. That I mean, must have been still, some tough conversations. Well, it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it actually was. And occasionally is. She's very serious. After my dad passed away, she mm-hmm. uh, got very serious about church again, which was great for her. I mean, you know, when you suddenly find yourself uh, widowed after almost 60 years of marriage, you got to put your attention and energy into into other things, preferably not staying at home doing right. nothing. Right. So, um, so she's very serious with that. But what I love about the Mormons and what I love about the, that little community of grace is that yeah, I mean, the problem with small towns is everybody knows what's going on, but the virtue of small towns is everybody knows what's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I kind of, uh, last time I was there, I, I was, we were walking up main street with my, uh, one of my cousins and it was like, he was the mayor of the place, right? You know, every, he knew every single person and I, I there's something really kind of lovely about that and I, and, and attractive. Yeah. I don't know how I'd feel about that. I, I, I can I can see the advantages, but on the other hand, there's something nice to people not knowing who I am, um, just, well, just generically in life. I don't know if I like me, the average person that much. I like the people I like. I like you. Right. I like that guy. But eh, you guys go fuck off. I don't know. Think of it this way, Ken. If, I mean, if you and I, if you and I were to do something like this, we would like the communities that we lived in, but we would also have forty acres and a gate. Right. Right. That's very true. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, look, I was so yeah. proud of what what Sandpoint in that area did during the whole BLM riots. When, oh yeah, when when you know they had they had a big group coming in one one day, you know from from Spokane, right, and, which isn't all that far away, and there were a lot of people meeting them down there with AR-15s. Yeah, that did two things and did them both equally well from from what I can gather. One was we are protecting your right to to protest and to put your fist in the air and to scream and shout and and call for the 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 change in our government that you want to call for and number two you're not fucking breaking any windows or burning anything down in this town or you're all right. gonna die That's and right. and it was a uh, it was kind of i wish kenosha had done that i i wish kenosha yeah. hadn't had so many people stay at home that a 17 year old kid had to had to go out there and 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 do the job of the police force and do the job right. of the fire department. It was like, what do you do when you're in, in, in a situation like that, when you're, when your government abdicates its responsibilities for whatever reasons. And, and these ones I think were largely political and somewhat we got overwhelmed. And, and you know, the police really, I mean, unfortunately the police really made that situation worse because if you recall, really what happened was, the, the the main BLM protest was sort of in downtown Kenosha, and that's not where mm-hmm. Rittenhouse and his friends were. That's not where the business was. And essentially what the cops did was they drove the protesters in that direction. So, uh, you know, you know a, a, though, again, it was the third night of things just burning to the ground and right. people losing. I mean, you know, it, it's it's a simplistic attitude for people to be like, well, insurance picks that up. It's like, yeah, have, oh, you, ever, have you ever put an insurance claim in? Usually you get bones 16 ways till Sunday, right? They're right. like, oh, oh, well, you, you know, you know, fire. 
that that's a sub clause three. You know, there's a forty thousand dollar deductible on that, and we pay out over thirty years. I mean, you know, these are the guys that write thick contracts to not pay you back. That's well, what the you, insurance you, company does. You know, you know how a lot of these businesses got burned. Hmm. I mean, fi- figuratively burned. Hmm. Uh, some insurance companies considered what happened terrorism, and that's a separate policy. Wow. Wow. Have you guys done yeah. a story on that? Uh, did we have a story? I think we had a story about that last year. Um, and I've, I've seen stories about it elsewhere that uh, that terrorism insurance is a thing, but it's a very expensive thing. And that's why most people don't get it because you're, right. you, you know, the right. chances of you being coming a, a victim of a terrorism attack are very, very, very low. Unless we but define it, everything as terrorism. I, well, right. It seems like <laughs> we're, we're expanding that definition quite a bit. It drives me crazy when conservatives do that. You know, look, I'm actually tougher on my own group than I am on the other. It's like, yeah, those guys are assholes and idiots, but we should be smarter than this when they're like, well, you need to you need to call these smash and grabs terrorism. It's like, like, okay, uh, okay. I I understand that you want to call it something bad and it's real, not just bad, but really, really bad. But linguistically and legally, there's probably a good reason to divide the guy who runs into a, a a Nordstrom and steals some crap and runs out versus somebody right. who tries to blow up a plane. Right. Call, call me a, call me right. soft on crime. I don't know. No, I, 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 I think that's right. I, I think that's right. I think that um, the voters in places like San Francisco and Los Angeles bear a certain responsibility for electing officials who s- said very clearly what they plan to do um, that they would not, prosecute certain quote-unquote low-level crimes it's crazy and And look we're the dumbasses that that voted for a proposition that that in california that that made it a misdemeanor if you stole under 950 dollars worth of shit well i didn't vote for the thing but yes yes a majority of our brethren did a sizable majority you know because you 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 know you get those you get those things and there's even though the state constitution and, and law says that it has to be narrowly focused, it's often not. So you get something that says it's reforming the political justice system and you got to dig into it. And it's difficult as a voter because, you know, you try to say, OK, well, who's on what side? Well, everybody like has has nonprofits that 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 pretend like they're on one side, even though they're they're the other. So we're a citizens committee to uh, keep a keep Californians safe by allowing every criminal to get out of out of you know and to get out of dodge i mean so it's tricky when when it's long and complicated and you know those ballots are are too difficult for the average person to spend the proper amount of time to deal with so state officials and jerry brown were in a bit of a pickle with with uh the state prisons because about 10 years ago now uh the u.s supreme court handed down a decision that said um, California's prisons, in particular their healthcare system, uh, amounts to cruel and unusual punishment because the prisons were overcrowded. They were, you had people with legitimate medical needs that were not being met. And, you know, you had people, prisoners sleeping in hospital wards and things like that. And so there was a big lawsuit and the Supreme Court said, yeah, California can't do this anymore. And so the state then, uh, passed a bill that put a lot of state prisoners into county jails. 
So all of a sudden the burden is on counties to That was pretty recent, right? Yeah, that was like, yeah, like that was two five, four four years ago. Five, six right. years ago, something like that. And so what happened was that DAs started to selectively prosecute use their prosecutorial discretion to not prosecute certain crimes. Right. So in January of 2013, I was sitting in a Starbucks in uh, inland Southern California, writing an email to a to a state senator. I was working on uh, I was working on a story and I needed to talk to her when all of a sudden somebody bangs into my table. And the next thing I know, I look down, my computer's not there and the guy's booking it for the front door. And uh, I gave chase and I uh, I even got my hands on the getaway driver, but I couldn't do anything because his window was partly up. And so right. I couldn't do anything right. to him. And so all he could do was smile at me and hit the gas and off, off he went with my uh, laptop, which was one of several that they had stolen. They were just picking off places that were freeway close anyway, to make a long and very sad story <laughs> short. Um, they, there were four guys involved. They only prosecuted one. That guy didn't get any jail time. He went to something like, we got caught. Yeah, they did ultimately get caught like a few weeks later. Right. Okay. Uh, I never got my laptop back. They they told me I could I could uh, file for restitution. I asked the guy, "Am I going to get it?" He said, "Probably not." And so that was the very beginning of that. And that was in 2013, 2014 is when you started seeing a rise in like vehicle thefts mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know other petty property crimes. Well. Um, that was because the, the district attorney in, in San Bernardino, who at the time was, he was a decent guy, but their hands were really kind of tied because of all these state prisoners that were filling up the county jails. And so that's the reason why that state ballot initiative came about. And so I got into a big fight with uh, Tom Campbell. It was a, well, it was a cordial, but it was a big cordial fight. He's a nice Tom, guy. Tom Campbell was a uh, former congressman. Uh, he ran for U.S. Senate. I think he ran for governor. Um, of a a very of pleasant and soft man. Yes, he is. Very nice man who, and a Republican who uh, just sincerely believed in his heart of hearts that we're putting too many people away for petty drug crimes. Right. And surely we can reform the statutes so that certain felonies become misdemeanors. So we right. keep our prison populations down and we don't have these nonviolent drug offenders filling up, you right. know, necessary beds. And I said, what's going to happen is, well, exactly what has happened, which is that um, if you don't prosecute for petty offenses, you're going to, in time, see larger offenses. Sure. And the other thing about petty offenses is petty offenses aren't that petty. Right. You know, my my laptop was that was considered that was considered grand theft. Yeah, 949, go fuck yourself, pal. Right? And so, <laughs> and so, but that cost me a bit of money. Oh, you know, yeah. I had to write, I had to write a few extra pieces to pay right. off the right. new computer sure. for that one, right? Sure. So there, I don't believe in petty crimes. Right. I, I believe in, in being judicious about punishing people. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should have mandatory minimum sentences. And uh, until you've I, lived through an era where the judges, well, let no, go. I think that see what, yeah, when we have judges who are too lenient, right? right? I think you need, we just need to have, we need to have better judges. I see the problem with mandatory minimums is, you know, you have somebody who, um, 
had a, an accident. Hundred percent. Yeah, and and goes and has to be sentenced to 110 years in prison, which happened, I think, in Colorado, right? Just recently, Colorado or Minnesota, one of those. Cold. But it's it's all a cycle because mandatory minimums yeah. came about because judges were just such pussies, right? And letting guys go. Oh, well, you know, well, well, but he wrote a poem in prison, so I'm letting him out. Right. And you know, and 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 I've seen this happen. I mean, in the late 70s, early eight, late 70s. Crime in California was out of control. Sure, I mean, it, it was, it was substantially higher than it is right now. And, and you know what? This was a national problem. I, I want to say yes. it was beyond just California at that point. That's right. And and you know, but then what happens when people when people get their laptops ripped off? Or uh, I sat in a courtroom one time, and it was a guy. This guy loves stealing Volkswagens. Do you remember the old Volkswagens? Well, the, sure. The, the bugs. He yeah. just—he was just like—he was like a freaking pervert. He just couldn't stop stealing. And, and the judge was like, "You were here uh, last uh, three weeks ago for this. You were here two months ago, you know." And, and the judge literally is like, "I don't know what to do with you." And I'm kind of like, you, even as a teenager, I'm like, "Well, I got one idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe maybe put him in a cage for a little bit and see what yeah. happens." And and then people get fed up and they and they start electing people who start talking about tough on crime and this and that. And then all of a sudden you get the three strikes, you get mandatory minimums, you get uh, you get uh, something that that can easily be abused. But the what do you call it when somebody's using drugs and you get to take his house and his yacht and his car? Asset seizures. Asset seizures. Um, You you get all that stuff because people are like. I I'd just like to go to the park and and not have to worry about my you know getting getting my shit stolen. Um, well, and, that's and, a very good point. That's a very good point. And you know, there, we did have briefly a, a remedy that other states still have, but Proposition Forty Seven really what was that kneecapped the drug courts. Uh, and what the drug court the, these were special courts set up for drug offenders. And the idea was you would they, they would offer you a carrot and a stick. Mm-hmm. You know, they would say, we will give you probation of, of a certain period of time, say two years, three years, whatever. Um, but if you violate, you will go to rehab and you will stick with rehab and you will show us that you're making progress and that you're, mm-hmm. you're fi- you know, you're attempting to find gainful employment or you got you have a job. And if you violate any of these terms, uh, we are going to send you away. And so a lot of people who ended up in drug court were people who got arrested for petty theft, shoplifting, things, those low level, quote unquote, low level property crimes, but they were also where there was a drug offense attached to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so they were able to successfully intervene. I mean, the drug courts actually worked. And when Proposition 47 passed, which made all of these crimes either in some cases felonies to misdemeanors and misdemeanors to infractions then the 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 drug courts lost their teeth Hmm. which is a great shame because that really did help you know i'm I'm a believer that there is a i mean you, you you mentioned the phrase carrot and stick and it's kind of it's kind of how life works right i mean i mean you think you think of a kid being raised and for the most part, the best way to raise a kid is a mom and a dad or someone with feminine characteristics and somebody with masculine characteristics. So when the kid 
falls on her knee as she's as she's as she's running to say hi to somebody and she's crying the mom picks her up and wipes off the blood and kisses her and if she's still crying at a certain point the dad's like hey walk it off right (laughs) you know enough stop that and and i've noticed i it, it a correlation between the cities that have a lot more nice feminine characteristics versus versus the sometimes tougher masculine characteristics and like homelessness and crime i mean it's the nice cities it's it's go down the coast it's seattle portland mm-hmm. uh, los angeles san francisco it's not salt lake city Dal- it's 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 not dallas but it is austin i mean when you start mm-hmm. to to look at the at, at the homeless and, and and kind of the breakdown of civilization in some in some societies you you see very very nice people who are loving and kind i mean the, it, look Santa Monica in California was amongst the oh, first sure. of, of, you know, and they had a lot of homeless kitchens, of course, right up on the bluff overlooking the Pacific Ocean. Sure. And I was like, eh. um, and and so I do think that, that that that's an analogy that kind of carries through through public policy sometimes. Well, you can also extrapolate that to entire states, because it's not just that L.A. and San Francisco and, and Santa Ana and San Diego have homeless problems. Uh, there are homeless people in this little town where I live right now. There, there's only two of them. Um, and so, it gets what happens little... to those two? They're obviously not sleeping in tents on the main street. I mean, so that's a yeah, that's a good question because just a few weeks ago there was a woman who was living in the post office, and she was only there for about two weeks mm-hmm. before. So the county sheriff here has a homelessness. Uh, response team and several people called uh, in about this woman who was in the post office and i think they eventually what they do is they find you someplace uh, down the hill that's a shelter and they get you into some kind of program mm-hmm. but um but a lot of times what you have um are you know these camps in these in in, in canyons and washes and um, in particular, we, there have been, let me think, this year there were six or seven brush fires that were started by these homeless camps. Who were out there cooking cooking dinner. Yeah, or, right. and, there, and a breeze came up and, or right. a wind came up. And, and, right. Yeah. And Who would have thought that homeless people could sometimes be dumb shits? Well, <laughs> hey, it's windy out here. You know, I want some coffee. Whoa, that, hey. that 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 has happened more times than you may realize. I know, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm laughing, which I shouldn't be, but uh, yeah. there there was one big Malibu fire that it was also, you know, just dumb shit camper slash homeless slash whatever you shouldn't have been cooking that night. Right, right. And so we're a nice state. We're a very very nice state, and we're very very nice to people who probably in many cases need a lot more tough love than what they're getting. And tough love's a good word for it because it's like, you know, you think of, so I, I live in Sausalito. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very, very nice place right north of the bridge of San Francisco. And not too long ago, uh, uh, four months ago, uh, one of the county preacher types who is, is big on, on homeless rights and whatnot basically pushed and, and, and helped a, a camp 
start up in one of our parks all of a sudden well no it was actually on private property but by the time everybody turned uh-huh. around there was a dozen tents there a judge saying well covid blah 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 you know there's extra rules on this so the city felt like they had their hands hands tied the city officials are nice 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 people sure. <clears throat> and 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 it's like when you ask yourself when you look at like some of these homeless encampments if your child was in one of them your 25 year old child let's say not 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 a little kid what would you do different and how would you run those things how would you you, you certainly wouldn't want your kid somebody you loved living there forever right i mean that's a bad thing so so you would want the safety net of not freezing to death not starving to death not being bludgeoned by whomever's going to bludgeon them but you'd also want them to make sure that there was no drugs in those camps right. and them to to make sure that the that that the raping and beaten and all you know all that stuff was actually that 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 there was some semblance of government order in those it's a right. tricky thing but tough love is what a parent does yeah and that's and and policymakers for whatever reason they're they're i don't know i don't really understand the mentality other than that uh the problem is a wash in money and yeah. so th- that's how you get these these follies like the city of venice uh in southern california <laughs> spend building a a homeless uh I guess it's not a shelter. It's, it's homeless apartments. It's basically um, transitional, supposed to be transitional housing for homeless people on this prime piece of Venice real estate right right next to the boardwalk at a cost of $500,000 per unit. And, (sighs) and the, the punchline really is that they're, they're building these units at an exorbitant price and, they're doing none of the things, the common sense things that you just suggested a minute ago. Right. They're not saying you can't bring drugs in or alcohol in. They're not clean and sober places. You know, part of it is I think we've lost the linguistic battle and mm-hmm. we've called it homeless. And clearly they don't have homes. They don't have a lot of shit. They don't have showers. They don't have, you know, they don't have, they don't have a job. They don't have, they don't have the proper amount of, of dealing with mental health professionals. They don't have the, you know, so I, I, I wonder if, if we should have come up with a better name, because when you see somebody who's half crazy on the best of days, right. you, you, you throw in some drugs in there and they're, they're, they're now 95% sleeping on the streets, screws up your head and, and, and dealing with society. And then we call it, homeless like a home would is is the solution i mean right but literally it's like if san francisco rents dropped in half tomorrow the homeless population would not be affected right if you gave all of those people a free apartment within two years 80 percent of them would have sold the pipes they would have they would have crapped in the corners they would yep. have they would have done all all of they would they would have fed back into the problems in their life, which is well beyond not having a house. And I, I don't know what the answer to that is, but I, that's one of our problems is the linguistic way that we yeah. approach this problem. I don't know what the word would be, but I do think that much of the problem is a mental illness problem. Yeah. You know, I have a very, uh, an, an old friend uh, from college who was at one time, he was a, 
he was a professional photographer. He worked, uh, he worked for news. He was a graphic designer too. He worked for right. Newsweek, worked for the New York post. Uh, but he's also paranoid schizophrenic. Right. And he, uh, he is living somewhere in San Diego now. Right. Uh, and um, just before COVID <laughs> happened, he reached out to a friend of mine. Uh, we all went to UC San Diego together. This friend of mine is a um, assistant U.S. attorney in San Diego, and reached out to him by email somehow, probably from a, from a library or something, mm-hmm. and uh, asked to meet. And my friend told me that you know he 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 doesn't look well but that he was clearly not on his meds and was talking crazy. And we found out that he lives in a shelter, uh, but we couldn't actually reach him. And what, what I learned pretty quickly from, from that whole thing, because my, you know, my friend has the law law enforcement resources. I said, is there anything you can do to, to, and, and, and his hands were tied. Everybody's hands seemed to be tied because uh, we have said that individuals, even mentally ill individuals who are not necessarily a clear danger to themselves or others, Mm -hmm. but they're still obviously in a really, really bad place. We can't do anything for them. That's a tough call too, isn't it? Yeah. I I mean, I mean, you know, it's, I mean, I mean, freedom's a pretty big thing in this country. And and as you uh, said before, just like with, you know, the pendulum on on law and order, there was a lot of abuse in, you know, in the mental health things and, and the involuntary commitment. Right. Right. And there was good reason to reform that. Mm-hmm. But to this, it's tough. No. It's tough. How 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 much freedom do you give? How much freedom does an American deserve? That's a tricky question, right? I mean, well, I mean that's some... one of the fundamental. And and the answer to America has been a lot, a sure. lot of freedom. Um, but what do you do when they're not living the life? I mean, a certain percentage of 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 the homeless that I've seen, and and one of uh, one of the reporters at Fox News had a father who was homeless in San Diego, a guy who was a, a lawyer, a, you know, had a big, had, had, if not a big firm, had a, you know, ran a firm was, was well known in town in a, in a Southern town. And obviously there was a, there was some things that weren't firing properly in his brain, but a lot of it is he just didn't want to listen to anybody. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, you're offering free soup over there, but I have to say a prayer or do no. I, I, I decide not to. I don't want to pay taxes. I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to look at red lights. I mean, it was a very much screwed up, but sense of individualism. And, you know, at what point is it proper to say, no, we as a society have decided we know how to live your life better for you and, you're, and, and you have to do X, Y, and Z? God. Well, every single law that's ever been passed and ever going to be passed is, is, is essentially an answer to that question. Kind of. I mean, most laws that are passed are not to protect you from you. They're, prote- they're to protect you from me and vice versa. Sure. I, mean, I mean, that's 98% of the laws besides 
motorcycles on helmet and 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 all those things how how much should the state protect ben from ben i think when you have instances where you have people who i think first of all it is a scandal that a prosperous nation like ours allows anybody to sleep on the street people who can't take care of themselves people who are clearly mentally ill people mm-hmm. who are you know that's true I, I, there there has to be there has to be a way um because these are these are sick people um you know sick in a way that as time has gone on i'm i'm very glad that much of the stigma surrounding mental illness has fallen away or is still falling away we still have a lot of ways to go still have a lot of ways to go because it's just not like if you say to a depressed person hey buck up camper that that doesn't work i mean there's a real that's there's a problem there and 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 too often despite my libertarian rant a second ago it's like if if you were if you were in downtown LA and you tripped and you hit your head on the sidewalk and you were bleeding out of your head people right. would surround you they would call 911 they sure. would they would they would help you out you would the, the the apparatus of the state and of your neighbors and right. and of and of and of strangers would help you right you have something fucked up inside your head where you're seeing life at two thirds of an angle and right. and I'll never forget when I when I was planning to move to San Francisco and and saying, okay, well, where do I live? I can live here, here. You know, it was, the world was my oyster, right? It was post-divorce. Right. I was starting brand new, and I and I sat and I saw a guy in a wheelchair, and uh, obese, black guy, probably in his late sixties, had a couple shopping bags that looked new, was in a wheelchair. And kind of slumped down the whole time, and obviously in mental distress or some type of distress, and no one did anything, including yeah. me. Including me, I was yeah. sitting eating my sandwich at a little. I was just watching this scene, and for like twenty minutes, he was just sitting there, and people were walking by. I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to save the world dot com. Right? right. <laughs> it was like so. It's like I'm living in. In I'm going to move to this city where are some of the brightest people in the world, are some of the most forward-thinking, some of the nicest people in the world, even when they're befuddled and silly. Some, you know, streets that could be paved with gold, given the amount of money that has been made in, in San Francisco. And yeah. I'm watching this guy drooling on himself. And I'm like, I, I can't do that. I can't live in that 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 environment. Now, if I was a better person, maybe I'd say I'm going to live there and I'm going I'm to fix it. But it's interesting. I. I when when I say, you know, you look a hundred years ago and say, how could you people think that 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 little girl because she's black deserved to make your clothes and you could beat her and and she was a piece of a chattel, literally mm-hmm. a piece of property to you? How, how do I get into that 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 headspace? And and part of me thinks that in a hundred years people are going to look at us. And say, how could you let somebody who had a mental illness sit out on that street and sleep out overnight? That, right. That something was wrong with your society at that point. I, I think you're probably right, and and I I hope we get 
to a point where we could figure out the right balance between those individual freedoms that we so cherish mm. as Americans. And in some cases, potentially violating those freedoms for, for a greater good, which for a greater good, which I want. hate to say, cause I know I usually know. that's the fucking commies. Like, that's right. Well, it's for the greater good. Right. <laughs> Give me your car. But the, but the greater good is, having a society and a civilization where you don't have people suffering in the streets. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's hidden. And so it's just difficult to see. You're not bleeding out of your head. Right. And, right. and people who are often mentally ill or, or people who are mentally ill are often, if you, if you evaluate them on like not being mentally ill, they're often assholes. I mean, I mean, right. it, you, you hate to say that, but it's like, you know, somebody's screaming at you for something banal or, you know, I mean, they they often act in ways that if you don't say, wait, whoa, 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 okay, this this person isn't, their their brain's not working right, you quickly come to the, well, that guy's, a, why is he screaming? Why is he throwing, why is he throwing rocks at cars or whatever, whatever that clearly antisocial behavior might be? And if you're not the type of person who, and I don't think most of us are, who can say, yeah, he's throwing rocks at cars, but that's not because he's a jerk. It's because he's he's got something wrong with him, right? In a different way. I don't know. That's tough. Right, right. Which is yeah, and and, and untangling the the mental illness from the criminality, right? right. You right. know, it's said that I think it's I think Rikers Island in New York is the largest mental health facility in the United States. That's very possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's a lot of these things are, are tangled up and it's, and it's tough to untangle them. You know, especially when you mention criminality. I mean, a lot of people say, Hey, certain crimes, certain criminal concepts are mental illness. You know, it, it, it you know, somebody who is sexually attracted to children. Sure. All right. That's a, that is a mental screwed up thing until you act on it, and then it's a pretty bad crime, right? right. And, it, and it's like, you know, when we've, it's it's like how how do you classify those those things? How do you fix those things? How do you be tough on bad behavior when you need to be tough, but not understanding the the essence of it? I don't so know. I. I when I was an editorial writer at the Press Enterprise in Riverside, California, oh, 15 years ago, this was about the time when, I don't remember if it was a ballot initiative or a state law, um, limited where convicted sex offenders could live. Mm -hmm. So we have, a, every state has a registry of sex offenders, but uh, this particular law went a little bit farther and said, if you're convicted of certain sex crimes, you cannot live within, I think it was like a thousand feet of a school or a park, right, right. which kind of really limited where a lot of folks could live. And so we had a, we had a, a Republican state legislator in for an editorial meeting and this came up and he who, said, who yeah, was I've that? Been, Do you remember? I don't, I was wasn't just, Jim, wasn't Jim Batten. Was it? He was bigger. No, it wasn't Batten. It okay. was, um, Oh, 
All right. I only cared if it was Jay. Anyway, he was down. I think he was down out of Corona. Right. And we, we asked him this question. Well, what do you do then? You know, because obviously they've got to live somewhere. And he said, and, and, and this idea sounds absurd, but it kind of tickled my fancy because it is sort of practical. He said, well, what if we were to build them a, like a colony? Keep going. Like he, he said, we could do it in the desert maybe, or we could do it maybe out on Catalina or one of those islands out not there, Catalina. Out there, like the, like the channel give, them Santa, give them Santa Cruz or those ones that we're not allowed to go to. Right. Yeah. Give something like that. He's, but he said, because I don't know how we're going to manage this because you have a lot of, because the recidivism, Oh man, the, 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 the repeat offenses among that particular class of, oh, of crimes is very oh, high, but you, you can't keep them locked up forever. Although there are some things called civil commitments where right. they do that in the case of certain offenders where it's like, yeah, the guy actually says, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it again. Right. And so they keep them locked up. But for the rest who are sort of borderline, what do you do? And, you know, as it as it turns out, that whole law has, is being rolled back jurisdiction by jurisdiction, by lawsuits, by by guys who are, who are running afoul of this thing and, and saying, look, I've got a right to live somewhere. Have you and ever so- Googled my name and sex offenders? Oh, God, no. <laughs> Should I? <laughs> yeah, it was actually a pretty good story. So oh, yeah? Okay. In, in 1996, uh, the feds passed Megan's Law. Right. So Megan's Law was named after uh, um, a young girl named, named Megan. I forget what her last name. Kanka? Kanka, I think. Yes, I think that might have been in New Jersey, yeah. who was, you know, molested and murdered by a repeat sex offender who lived right. who lived in her neighborhood. Right. And so the feds passed a law and said every state needs to have a version of Megan's law where we let people know who these who these molesters are. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean, you know, the way the feds do things they were like, or we'll take away your highway funds or something. Right. right? I mean, that, they, they were pressuring the states. So California did um, uh, passed a very, very watered down version of Megan's law. Um, they they created the list uh, that was both high risk and low risk sex uh, regular sex offenders and high risk sex offenders. Mm-hmm. And what that meant was the high risk ones. So if if you were in college and you pulled your pants out and winged your yeah, ding yeah, yeah. dang at somebody, you could actually be on the low the, the the normal sex offenders list. To get onto the high risk sex offenders, you had to be guilty of at least five crimes against children over at least two trials. So you had to be pretty fucking bad at that point. Yeah. But what California did, because even in 19, uh, uh, what did I say, 96, uh, California's legislature was a bunch of wussies then too. They said, okay, we're going to pass this thing, but for you to get that list as a citizen, you had to go into your sheriff's department or your large city you had to sign something that says, I promise that I won't uh, you know, throw rocks at any sex offender's house. I won't use this, blah, 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 blah. You had to sign something pledging not to tell anybody about this information, which I'll come back to because that's bullshit. Right. And then you got 15 minutes to look at a computer. And, and it was a crime to transmit that information. So I saw this and I was like, 
go fuck yourselves. Right. It's like the I mean, <laughs> outside of national, outside of like the codes to the 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 you know the, the missiles. There's very few times that the government of of in the United States can say it's a crime to give this true information to someone else. What are you right. doing? Are you are you googling me on that? I don't. I don't no, I, I googled uh, Megan Kanka though. Just to, mm. yeah, that was New Jersey in '96. So I got a little bee up in my bonnet and I started going to my local sheriff's department and, and writing down the list, the list of, of high risk sex offenders in L.A. County, mm-hmm. their name, their address and their and their and their crimes. And there were thousands of them. Sure. And this was in the early days of the Internet. Um, and I said, you know what, I'm going to make a, a website called sexoffenders.net and I'm going to put all of these names on on this list with their towns and that. And if you want to come and arrest me, bring it on. Because I actually believe that the First Amendment applies in California, even if the law says that it doesn't. So it caused a little bit of a shitstorm by, back back then. It, 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 the first thing, you know, so I kept going and going some, some, some sheriff's departments were better than others, and most of them kind of didn't care. I learned a couple things about sex offenders. Uh-huh. Um, one was they're almost all guys. Yeah. I, mean, I looked through thousands and thousands, and it's probably 99.5% males and f- you know a half a percent females. So it's like if your kid's lost in the mall, don't tell them to go find a cop. Just tell them to go find a, a female, and they're probably not going to be molested. Um, another thing, and this isn't good for you and me, there was a, an overrepresentation of molesters, and these were both of adults and children, but but more focused on children, had facial hair. Oh. I don't fucking know why, but there were a lot of dudes with beards and mustaches, and, and it was like, it, you just couldn't not notice it. Yeah. You notice some racial things. Blacks were more often to be just plain old rapists. Um, um, Hispanics were more likely to be to be to be molesting their niece or 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 a family member. Oh. Uh, you, so you would see some things like that because because most of it wasn't what you what you the horror story that you think of 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 you know a guy like yeah looking just like you with some some this you know cruising the the junior highs. Most molesters would put themselves in in ways where they'd be near kids. They mm-hmm. they they'd. Babysit their their cousins or or their yeah. their nephews, or they'd be a swim instructor, or they they'd work at the at the uh, at the YMCA. I mean, they tried to, you know, like like who was the guy who said, I you know, I rob banks because that's where the money is. That's they where would, the money they is, would right. get themselves near there. So it was fascinating. So I, I I did that and I announced that I was going to release this out on. Uh oh, you froze up for a second. No, it's me. Nope. Oh, you just froze up. I, I did. <laughs> I, I was staring stunned at the fact that having now Googled Ken LaCourt and sex offenders, holy crap, you even made the New York Times. It's funny. I made Fox News before I'd even heard of Fox News. <laughs> I was like, what? What's that? Okay. Um, and so the, the night before I released it, I got a call from an assistant attorney general in, in California. Dan uh-huh. Lundgren was the, was the attorney general back then. Yeah. And they gave me some some reasons you shouldn't do this. And I was like, okay, well, why not? 
And they gave me a bunch of bullshit reasons. It was Mm -hmm. like, they were like, well, we think that this will help make the law unconstitutional, that a judge will see this and rule Megan's law unconstitutional. And I'm like, okay, look, I'm not a lawyer, but I I don't think anything Ken LaCourt does can make a law constitutional or unconstitutional. Judges aren't going to, you know, the judges are allowed to use hypotheticals or anything like that. They said, well, this will allow somebody in Florida to come and look at our sex offenders in California. And that might not be right. And I was like, well, who cares? It's right. like, you know, I, I could read the Miami white pages and, and what's the advantage of doing that? They're, you know, you right. don't do that. And then the last thing that they said, which was, was well, we think that this is going to be a, a way that, that sex offenders can meet one another and like like maybe link up oh. and, and do this. And so I said, okay. So despite the fact that NAMBLA, the, the National right. Man-Boy Love Association, exists and has forums out there, you think that like a sex offender is going to go look and he's going to like call up another sex offender and be like, hey, 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 Ben. You know, I, I see you're a sex offender, and I'm a sex offender too. Do you want to do you want to go cruise the junior highs together? And I was just like, "Go fuck yourself." Anyhow, so I excuse me, I I did that, and um, with the full intent. I mean, the best arguments for why I shouldn't have done it were actually good arguments, and the, the argument was, "Why should you be the guy doing this? You could make yeah. up things, you could have mistakes. This is not the way it's done." And I'm like, "You're 100 percent right. It's not the way." that sex offenders should be done. It should be done by the state of California. You shouldn't be locking this stuff up in, in a sheriff's office because you felt like a pervert. You know, you'd walk in and be like, can I, can I see the sex offenders list? I mean, you know, that, that was not something that most moms and dads did. Right. And, um, and, and my wife at the time was like, like right before I launched this, <laughs> she was supportive. She said, just so you know, if any one of those guys molests our children, I'll never forgive you. <laughs> oh, fuck thanks honey every yeah. single person in my life was like they're gonna take your house somebody's gonna blow up one of their you know um but weirdly it was one of the best things i did in my life um hmm. um I, I i released that i got thousands of thousands of emails and this is in the days when email was just of people who were like wow i discovered that my kid's swim instructor was on this list and thank you um, I got a lot of stuff like that and no overall problems that I know of. And eventually, and Jim Batten helped me out on this. Oh, okay. Um, uh, that's why I had mentioned him. He, 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 uh, he helped me out. And then year, a couple years later, I ran for office kind of on this, this, this issue. And eventually California did that. So, right. so right now it's not in some dork like me's database, you know, that could be hacked or mistakes or all of those things that California said you know what? People are smart enough that they, you know, that this is information that's good for them to have and they're not, yeah. gonna, they're not going to abuse it. They're going to, they're going to use it to safeguard their kids. So, and as far as I know, that's been true. Yeah. I've, I'm, I'm aware of, I'm not aware of any kind of like we burned down your house and, right. and, 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 and ran you out of town. I'm very aware of the person on this list moved, didn't do this, is now a youth pastor or mm-hmm. or a volunteer at, at, at something like that, because that's the way that things like that happen. Again, it was right. very rare that somebody just drove a car, grabbed, you know, do you want candy, little girl, grabbed a kid and, right. uh, and, and moved on. So, Yeah, yeah. It's a very useful tool. But literally uh, and- at one point, if you just type my name into like Google, 
like it would come up with related terms. It was like Ken Lacourt, sex offender. And I was like, oh, fuck. Man. <laughs> that, 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 that's not that. But, you know, after like I did that, I had to get out of that world. I was just like, you know, I don't want to be. Who's the who's the uh, uh, who's the guy who had the show? Chris. Uh, oh, 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 the. Um, yeah, that guy. Uh, the, uh, the, Walsh. Chris. No, no, that that was another guy. Um, oh. um, Walsh had a son who was killed. There who was, was another, killed? Yeah. There was another Chris one who would get the little the, the sex offenders. It was just like after a little bit, I'm like, I just don't want to swim in this ocean. I just sure. I just want to be away from this. I, so I. So I don't I don't even know what 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 you go to when you type sexoffenders.net but it's it's probably a porn site. It's, it's uh, yeah, I'm afraid site. to do it now. Yeah, well. Hold on. Oh god. I you probably should have kept it going $10 a year. No, it looks like all it is is a it's a portal to it was sexoffenders.net. Yeah, and then okay. all that comes up is links to search for public criminal records. Yeah, okay. And that's it. There's there's nothing really. Oh, here. good, good. I thought it'd be like a. All right, so what you do is you pretend to be a girl <laughs> and and you say that you like sprats. Like a yeah, like a how to site. Good lord. Good lord. Dude, I remember living in New York when I was at one of the gay rights parades and I saw the Nambla guys coming. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I know you're trying to build your coalition, but could 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 you leave the the child molesters out of it? Right, right. It's weird. It's weird and it's troubling. Um, wow. What do, we do, what do we do about the tribalization of 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 American politics? It's never been so extreme in my I don't know post fifteen years old lifetime. Right. Right. So, I mean, we've always had it, and sure. you know, in the in the early 1970s, when you were but a toddler, I mean, there were bomb, you know, bombs going off. Yes, when we were kids, week. kids, it was yeah. pretty fucking bad. But yeah. from the 70, late 70s on, this is as bad as it gets, or has been. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty bad. Um, you know, there's often talk of of uh, a cold civil war, right. and uh, I think probably the only way this this get resolved this will get resolved in one of two ways: either there is a a existential threat to the country, you know, like a you know China attacks the mainland, right. or or something, or there is a negotiated what what uh, uh, an acquaintance of mine, David Rayboy, calls a national divorce, where people sort themselves out. You know, there's a. I've got several friends. Uh, on Those are expensive, media. though. Yeah, yeah, I know they are. Any divorce is expensive, right? Right. And so, but I've got friends on social media who who will say. Um, it, it is it is practically a duty for you to move to a red state and we're going to move to these red states and we're going to build our communities there and, you know, to hell with the blue states. No. And that to me strikes no. me as a bit far fetched because uh, as Michael Anton, who um, wrote the flight 93 election ahead of 
the 2016 election. It was a very famous and controversial essay. As he likes to point out, um, they're just not going to, they're not going to just let us leave. You know, the, the, the blues aren't going to let the reds leave in peace. They're, they're, they're not, they're going to say, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to submit and you're going to like it. And I think he might be right about that. And so I, I don't see any sort of kumbaya come to Jesus moment really in, in the future. I see there being a lot of strife over the next five or 10 years until people either get tired of it or some external factor comes in and requires people to come together and focus on that crisis. Uh, because I, I don't see this ending in any way other than with, with a lot of tears. I just so, don't. So you talk about the existential threat. I mean, everybody who was of age remembers September 12th. Right. Right. Where the country was like, yeah. I mean, I mean, ironically back then it was Bush who was the, the guy who was elected, but he's not my president because Florida and blah, 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 yes. which, which I still find shocking that everybody's forgotten. I'll never forget when, when, when uh, uh, Trump was on stage at, at one of the debates and they were like, so the night of the election, are you fully prepared to say that you won the, uh, that you lost the election if you lost the election? And he didn't say like, have you people fucking lost your minds? Did you not remember 12 years ago when, when people were holding up hanging chads and lawyers and David boys and, 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 and right. when Al Gore took it to the Supreme court, did you not remember that? But, but right. it was like, it was like there was mass amnesia in the country. But September 12th, all that was, or September 11th, the evening, all that was forgotten. And it was, yeah. we became Americans and we were, we were there. One would have hoped that an existential threat like a flu might have done the same thing, but it didn't. It got sucked into you, me, you know, the finger. You know, we, we, we faced an existential threat two years ago. We had, we had a... A, a disease that came and was going to kill hundreds of thousands, millions, whatever people, and that devolved into into into, into the the camps well, as well. I think there's a couple of reasons for that, and I think one of them actually is September 11th, because um, a couple of things happened after September 11th that, as time wore on, I think more and more people realized that they were rooked. And so one of the things that happened after, after nine 11 was, yeah, you had a lot of people coming together, waving flags, but then you also had Congress pass the Patriot act, which I was all for back in the time. Like, a fucking, yeah. And I think a lot like of people were, idiot. yeah, I think a lot of people were because they thought we've got to do something, anything, but you know what the Patriot act was essentially was a lot of, a lot of legislation that had been sitting around in people's desk drawers for a good long while mm -hmm. in, in places like the justice department and elsewhere, the treasury department and elsewhere saying, wow, we can repurpose this you know, bill that we've wanted for years and say, call it, call it a Patriot act, call it anti-terrorism measure. And we can, we can pass mm -hmm. all this stuff that uh, we've always wanted. That's one thing that happened. The other thing that happened was if you recall, uh, as we were getting ready to go to war in Afghanistan, George W. Bush encouraged people to, you know, keep shopping. So it was a very different kind of war effort. It wasn't the kind of war effort that people had in their either either lived through if they were old enough or had in mind that 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 war requires sacrifice. 
in Bush's idea of, uh, you know, your sacrifice is to keep shopping, keep consuming. And so people came to realize very quickly that, you know, airport security was just theater. Mm. And so, you know, the government will say something on the one hand that this is necessary to, to guard against future terrorist attacks, but then you see what that is and you think to yourself, that don't make a lick of sense. Um, on the, the other, other hand, thing, on the other hand, it worked. I mean, if, yeah, if I would have pull, if I would have pulled you on September 11th and said, what are the odds that America won't have another mass casualty event that costs us 500 lives? Let's just pick a number out. I would have back then said the odds are one percent that that's going to happen because I could go we kill because were... I could go bomb. Look, you and I are smart enough that with 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 a hundred thousand dollars to play around with and enough gasoline and three or four crazy yes. people to be on our side, we could take out a a whole basketball center in 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 Indiana, right? Even less than that. I mean, Angelo Cotavilla, the the late great Angelo Cotavilla, made this argument two months after 9-11 in the Claremont Review of Books, in which he said, this is, this is impossible. What the government is claiming that it wants to do is impossible because, and the example he used was, any, any halfway organized cell of terrorists could, could coordinate right. a, a simultaneous Molotov cocktail attack on school buses right. in, a, in a major city, and sure. there's not a goddamn thing we can do about it. Right. So that was that was Angelo's argument. And I think I think he was right about that. I also think that yet he was wrong. Yes. And that he was also in some ways wrong. Well, um, but the fact that it didn't happen, that it didn't happen. But the right. over his overarching point that a a total. Well, I mean, totalitarian, but a, 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 a national security regime like that um, ultimately comes to the detriment of of American freedom. He said, if you want to win a war, you know, to win a war, you, we don't sacrifice the way we live. We make them change, or we don't change the way we live our lives. We make our enemies change the way they live their lives. And that's not how we've really prosecuted those wars. Well, it was kind of tricky because we didn't know who the enemies were. Right. Well, I mean, that, very, look, that was the first asymmetrical warfare since the mouse that roared that I recall. Mm-hmm. I think, um, well, yeah, that sounds about right. But then the other thing is, Ken, is that when it came to the rhetoric of of COVID-19 coming from state authorities, and I heard it too, and I heard it before March, I was hearing rumors in February, and we were seeing all those weird videos coming out of China, of people collapsing in the streets. Right. The, but it turned out that in a lot of ways, it wasn't as, I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, many people died and many people got very sick and many people are experiencing long-term effects of it, but it wasn't the Spanish flu. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, I mean, you, millions of people weren't dying. And yet we continued to hear uh, really kind of panic mongering rhetoric from authorities at every single level. And I think a lot of people as time has worn on, even now, I mean, people are over this thing. You know, people are, I mean, we get to the point where you're seeing New York City cops arresting a guy, a Marine veteran at a, like a Panera Bread Company because he didn't have his Vax card. <laughs> hey, do you think that burning Vax cards could be uh, something that takes off? Ooh. So, so well, I, so I'm a, you know, for, for me, I've had my vaccinations. I was or I was one of the first ones uh, when I could get it. 
I got uh, I got uh, uh, what do you call it? Duped up, double double dipped at the at the earliest uh, stage right. that I that I could. But I feel, but but I've never used it with the exception of going to Hawaii for for a, a, a small vacation. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to Mexico and back. I might use it for Burning Man if if they do it, but I refuse to use it to go have a go to a bar, go to it because I think that I, I I'm I'm a participant in the in the demonization of people who are not choosing to be vaccinated, and I'm pretty pro-choice on vaxes. Sure. Do you think sure. that a burning burning your vax card could be uh, the 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 bra burning of, of of this generation? I don't know. For one thing, because I think people would a lot of people have their information on their phones. <laughs> yeah, but look, a lot of a lot of gals had a second bra at home too. Right, that's right. <laughs> so I'm not I'm looking not looking for purity here. I just thought right. if if thirty percent of the people did that, that could that would make an impact. Do you think? What about ten percent? Would that make an impact? Do you think? I don't know. That's a, it's a good question. I mean, you know, I, I look in. You know, I live in San Francisco adjacent, and they love the. I mean, you know, they're wearing masks in their cars. They're wearing masks in the showers. They, they, they you know, they've convinced themselves that that's the equivalent of being a good citizen. And right. on some levels, it is. Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean. Oh, something to think about, though. I I, th- I think about the way think about the way uh, the policies are enforced or not enforced. Mm-hmm. So I live in San Bernardino County. They're not enforcing really anything, and a lot of businesses have chosen to ignore the latest statewide vax uh, mask mandate. Right. Rather, I mean, San Bernardino's like you know we can't stop crack. We're probably well, not, not just to, say that's the city of. I mean, the we're probably not going to be able to stop a vaccine. The kitty, the county is <laughs> geographically the largest in the United States. I mean, there's lots and lots of cities. It's bigger than a lot of states. It's bigger than many states. Like, like yeah. probably at least half a dozen states, right? Yeah, that's right. You yeah. should write an and article on that. You live in the X biggest state in the. In the it's United it's States. been done, okay. Um, okay. but it but the the enforcement is is really loosey goosey. Um, and a lot of it is um, some businesses are, are more hardcore than others, but a lot of places are just like, we've been doing this now for uh-huh. two fucking years. That's, you know, we see, that's it. See, it's interesting from my point of view, while I won't use the cards, I, I'm not the guy who would ever walk into a store if they say, Please wear a mask. Right. It's your store, man. I'm not going to be that guy. Oh, well, fuck you. Yeah, I'm not. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like right. that. That to me, it's like, you know, you have some rights as a store owner. And, and if you say wear a mask or you have to wear a blue hat or hop on one leg. OK, I can choose to shop in your store or not. Right. But I would never I would never do that kind of a protest. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. I, I don't particularly care for those folks. Um, yeah. I, they, I, they seem like assholes. But the thing about I don't mind wearing the mask, but really, but I, I've come to the conclusion that it doesn't make much difference either way, because unless like, you unless would, you've got a good N95 that fits your face and you've got a beard and I've got a beard, and no yeah. mask is going to fit our face correctly unless we shave. Yeah, they, a, the, the efficacy starts going like this. And it's like so a, it's like a condom me, with a hole in it. Yeah, I get yeah it. it's yeah. so to me, it's largely symbolism. I, I mean, yeah, and I'm I'm okay with 
that in some like on a plane. I was like, you know what? I'm in a tube with a bunch of people, and I know they got HEPA filters and whatnot, but there's a lot of meat near me. I'm sure. actually okay with wearing a mask. I, but but I also find myself hating the being part of the theater when I think it's about yes. theater, and it's like, so it's like. If I was in a close, you know, I want to do the right thing, but I, I know that if I'm walking down the street and I see people wearing masks, you're like, that's all theater. And I don't want to participate in that unless there is actually a decent efficacy rate and it's doing something. Right. Where I actually didn't mind showing my Vax car going to Hawaii because, you know what, mm -hmm. Hawaii has the advantage of having, you know, four airports in the whole, the whole state. And, and right. so they actually have kept this thing under control because they had points of entry and points of exit and and they take that seriously okay that's a theory right i mean that right. and and it and it's working for working for new zealand it's working for alaska it's undecided whether it's working for for uh, uh australia um so at I this point did you did you have to quarantine when you went no, no, I wouldn't have done it. Well, I couldn't have. I mean, it's like I was. Uh, no, so they they said, I, I think they did it. They might have done a temperature thing. They did not do a, you need to have a test before X hours. Mm -hmm. But if you showed a VAX card on it, you were, you, that, was, that was, that was okay for them. I see. Because now that they have these pretty effective rapid tests, it seems to me that you, you can figure it out pretty quickly. I just had, a, I just had a test yesterday because I've, of this surgery I'm having. Oh, and, right, right, uh, right. And they, you know, part of they... me says we should all just I mean, my son had an idea. He was just like, let's just have a covid party, get the old people who, are, you know, have a, a high death rate on this, clamp the crap out of them for three weeks in here. We can do that. Right. We can. You know, you have to wear the, the full mm -hmm. body body suit on that. And the rest of us do what uh, you know, we go out, we kiss, we dance, we breathe on each other and let's just get this sucker over with. That's not necessarily the craziest idea. It isn't. It's just that, yeah, you. it's it's like the lottery you don't want to win. Right, right. You know, because it, it, you don't want to be the guy who, oh, yeah, you, you did have the complications. I don't know about you, but That's I mean, I, I, I did gain a little bit of weight during during 2020, but I've I've gotten really attuned to just on a daily basis. I take a, a million supplements. I take huge doses of vitamin D every day. I take right. a lot of vitamin C, zinc, as much zinc as my body can tolerate, just sort of as a kind of a prophylactic um, that, that, cause these are all things that at this point in the game, everybody knows that they actually work. And so just doing things to raise my, you know, my immunity mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, seems like, that's a sensible thing that probably everybody should be doing um, because they're just, it's sort of like common sense. Right. And I think um, that makes sense. I, look, yeah. I'm at the point that once I'm vaccinated, I'm just like, if I get it, I get it. I'm not going to worry about it. I don't think it'll be that big of a deal. Right. I, I can sit around and worry about everything in life and it's just not on my list. Right. Uh, I don't it's, worry it's, about it. Yeah. I don't worry about it precisely. Yes. For that reason. For the, the, I feel like I'm taking good care of myself reasonably. I'm, I'm, I'm eating reasonably well. You know, I probably should get a little bit more exercise than I do. But I, right. but the point is, I, it, this isn't something I'm not obsessing over it. But you know, I've got a history of of high blood pressure, and that's right. a problem. That's a potential complication, and right. so I, I, right. I try to 
I'm just trying to um, keep the keep the thing at bay. Now I get it. I see get how it goes. It. I think we're all going to get it at some point. I think so, and and I'm somewhat encouraged by the Omicron variant that it's like okay, it's very very contagious and not all that dangerous. It's right. Like, maybe that's exactly what we need. Right, and that's the course of every virus ever in history. Right. The, the things because from an evolutionary standpoint, the thing wants to survive, and the best right. way for it to survive is to become more transmissible but less lethal, mm-hmm. or at least lethally slower. Right. Giving you enough time to spread it on before it before right. it kills you. Right. Hey, so what's going on at, at AM Greatness? So so this was a site that kind of came from nowhere and and, yeah. and, and, and it was good. Yeah. And and how how did that happen and 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 what's what's your mission there and what are you working on? Well, um, so it happened in twenty sixteen uh in no small part because of the Trump phenomenon and mm-hmm. It, it emerged out of a need among there. So three of us founded the thing. Uh, Chris Buskirk is our publisher. Julie Ponzi is uh, my co-editor, senior editor, and I'm managing editor. And it all kind of came about because we were casting about for something interesting to do. I was writing a book for somebody at the time, but I was uh, my life, my personal life was changing in radical ways, let's say. And uh, I found myself sitting in my backyard, smoking a cigar, working on this book, listening to music and sort of not really feeling sorry for myself, but wondering what the hell I was going to do next. And I would get on the phone with Julie and say, we got to we got to do something. We got to figure something out. So at the time, there was a website called the Journal of American Greatness, and it was synonymous but I, we Wait, very quickly synonymous or synonymous. I don't know what that word is. Pseudonyms. Okay. It was a bunch of guys writing with Latin pen names. Got it. Okay. And um, we very quickly figured out that um, one of the chief contributors to that thing was an old friend, Michael Anton. I mentioned him before. So his pseudonymity to... kind of sucked. Well, yeah, well, it was, well, they were, they all had good jobs and they were all afraid of getting fired. But what they were trying to do was create a site for that would have some sort of intellectual justification for Trumpism. Right. And as their profile was rising, when they were getting written up in the Wall Street Journal and and the Weekly Standard did a story on them, they kind of got cold feet and they very abruptly shut the thing down. But, but Michael Anton gave us the heads up and said, this Journal of American Greatness is going away. And so all of a sudden, the light bulb appears. We got to pick this mantle up. And so um, that happened in, I think, late May of 2016. We launched American Greatness on my birthday, July 14th, 2016. Um, The first month we had like maybe 10,000 views. Now I get... 10,000 views while I'm asleep overnight. Right. Like, sure. you know, I mean, I mean, I mean traffic is, is, is grown like gangbusters. It really came about because we felt that the existing media landscape on the right was not attuned to the shifting political ground. I was not. So a, were a you, Trump- you were, you were a, uh, you were a counterpoint to the National Review very type, much so. type guys. Very okay. much so. The, because the, the Blue Bloods, we went to Yale. 
Well, yeah, because uh, National Review had published that against Trump issue. Right. And a lot of people were, you know, thought that that was foolish. And it just seemed to us that there was a really a crying need for uh, a, a different way of looking at, you know, a lot of and people. Were you a hardcore Trump guy? Well, no, that's the thing. What, right. That's among the founding group. I was the one who was. Uh, I, I would even from time to time have described myself as never Trump, but I ended up voting for him and I changed my mind at the last minute to vote for him. And I wrote about it in a, in a piece on right. American greatness saying I wasn't, I think the title was something like I wasn't going to vote for the son of a bitch, but now I am. And here's why. Right. Right. And what really okay. kind of pushed me over because I, you know, again, you live in California, your vote doesn't count, I, you know, but uh, I was not, I was just going to abstain from voting, but I ended up voting for him because just the, the, by, by the weekend before the election, the, the rhetoric coming from the left was so outrageous. I just felt like I had to stick it to those fucking people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that people needed to be, that we needed the disruption, you know, Trump conservatives made the case that Trump is not a conservative. They were right. He wasn't a conservative. He was a disruptor. The problem was I viewed him as a hand grenade. I'm like, you know, yeah, I, I call I, him a wrecking ball. I was actually like, I actually feel like throwing an honest to God hand grenade into Congress. This is we, the best way that that doesn't kill people. Maybe we felt and we when we when we launched, we had an editorial statement sort of explaining what we were trying to do. And it was that was titled our declaration of independence from the conservative movement, because, right. you know, what has happened over time with with the conservative movement, it, it, it's really come to mistake policy preferences for matters of high principle. And it's also come to mistake talking for doing. Mm -hmm. And so in our editorial manifesto, we basically said, look, we're actually editorially agnostic about, you know, Trump, really. Um, we saw him as a means to an end. Mm -hmm. And that end was a uh, really a revival of politics rightly understood politics is not as aristotle might say as the, the city and speech it politics is requires action mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so we thought that um trump would be able to if not get everything he wanted done he would at least be able to disrupt the beltway conventions enough to open the door for certain good things to be done. And, and immigration was, was a big one. Um, uh, renegotiating those trade deals was, was a very important thing mm -hmm. and reasserting a, a, a kind of America first foreign policy, which sure. he did. And um, you didn't have to like the tweets. You didn't have to like some of the rhetoric, but the re results in, in many cases, not all, but in many cases were pretty, pretty good. So that, that that's the that's the mind fuck, right? It's a, it's like I can't think of a whole lot of policies that they had that I was like, oh, that's crazy. I mean, most of them were like, it's about time for that, and they did pretty well on a lot of them, not all of them. Yeah, but then as I think, it's like, would you want a kid to grow up to be Donald Trump? <laughs> and, and, and it's just interesting because you know, I spent some time with my my extended family, and I'm, you know. It, 
where I live, I'm a radical, I'm a radical, uh, uh, you know, radical conservative. Sure. Uh, among other parts of my family and extended family, I'm I'm like the 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 liberal weird guy over there. Yeah. Oh, uh, he does some drugs and he goes to Burning Man, and uh, we're not sure about Jesus. Um, and and I asked him, I'm like, would and it was a it was a question they all had to pause for. It's like, would you want your boy to grow up to be like Donald Trump? And that's a fucking hard question to ask a father or a mother. You would want. I, you know, the concept of somebody who saves American democracy and who's stopped some really bad things from happening in, in America. I'd like that. Sure. But the guy who's like blowing his nose at people and and, and doing all yeah. that, I'm not sure. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure either. I, I, I came to appreciate his strengths more as time went on, but it was also mm-hmm. clear from the beginning of the administration that he was going to be in trouble. And it wasn't just that, um, you know, the feds, that whole thing with Michael Flynn and, and talking, yeah, that was something Russian that man. was pretty bad. That was bad, but, yeah. but, but beneath it, it was pretty clear in by, you know, April or May of 2017 that he was not getting his people in jobs in the administration. He got Omarosa. That, yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> or, or as I was about to say, or he was picking the wrong people. Right. And he was getting really bad advice on personnel. And then we we yeah. reported and we had, and, and we heard a lot that just, you know, people who had worked on the campaign, who had volunteered in states, who then, you know, tried to apply for a job and you know, right. their applications went nowhere. Right. And once we started hearing that, I thought, oh, this is not going to go well because he's going to be sabotaged from within. Yeah. And that's pretty much what ended up happening in um, a lot of cases. Execution was not their strongest point. Right. No, it um, wasn't. And, um, and look, I mean, I mean, the greatest example of that is how they handled uh, the, the results of the election. I, I, I mean, that, that they did not have a rock solid legal team in place. Weeks in advance is scandalous. I, I lose most of my conservative friends when they ask about the election because I'm like, because and, and I haven't followed it all that closely over the last over the last year. But but in the weeks that followed, I dug into it. I, I put on my mm-hmm. investigative reporter hat and 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 jumped into that stuff. And I never saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I read the Kraken. From that, who, who's the idiot woman who I'm thinking of? Uh, um, she was a, she was she was a you know she helped Flynn. She got Flynn off. I mean, right. Flynn was an an innocent man who was set up by the federal prosecutorial apparatus of the United States government, and she got him off as Sydney he should Powell. have been. Sidney Powell. Sydney Powell. But did you ever read any of the shit she she filed? Um, it, no, dude, it was retarded. It yeah. was it was literally like I mean, remember she was like these 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 computers. I'm going to prove that it from three o'clock to four o'clock a.m. They turned this and they they stole this and they did all of that and 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 these two companies ruined the and then I and the Kraken is coming. Right. Okay, you know her Lynn Wood. I was a huge fan of. I mean, Lynn Wood's done some impressive things in life. You know yeah. his his epitaph will will have some good accomplishments. But then I read the stuff that they were they put in, and I'm like, "You got to be joking me!" This was, I mean, literally her kraken 
was some military attache mm-hmm. who 15 years ago, 12, 10 to 15 years ago, worked in Venezuela and saw that the Venezuelan government then used similar type of software, not the same companies, right. but the, but oh, but this company bought part of it and, and did something kind of similar to this. Yeah. And, and, and and they stole the election. And, and and you're reading this and you're like, This is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever, ever <laughs> I've ever read. And 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 you know, Rudy Giuliani had some similar things. It's like you know, I lived in New York pre Giuliani and I I, I I did the direct mail sure. for his first campaign. I mean, I, it's like I've I've debated Rudy Giuliani and Roger Ailes' studio. I mean, you know, it's like I loved him. But I I read like his Arizona it was no, it was the Nevada one. And it was like, well, this guy says that 20% of the votes are are people who've moved or this or that. And therefore, we'd like all of these votes to be attributed to Donald Trump and the election to be overturned. And it was like, no, I'm not a lawyer, but this shit doesn't work. It was, yeah. it was embarrassingly thin, bad, stupid. And I'm not saying that they haven't found better stuff since then, which I haven't followed all that closely. And I'm not saying that it didn't happen. And I'm not saying that the press should have looked into it, but they were like, whatever. Hey, Donald Trump lost and we're all happy. And, right. and, and look, a Kardashian. But it just wasn't there. And and, and it was tough. I believe, I, I mean, I do believe that um, probably 80 million people voted for Biden. I can believe that very easily because I think the campaign was such and the the messages were such that it was uh, it was all dump Trump all the time. Mm-hmm. He's the you know he's uh, he's a, he's a threat to the fabric of our our republic. He's a he's a menace. He's a would be dictator. He 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 botched COVID. Well, and and look, he yeah. did lose some old people at that point, and that's well, not he, it's not good when you're Republican and you lose 20% of your old people because of COVID. That's a problem. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, I'm sure that actually factored in. That was, sure. look, that was the constituency that killed him. I mean, he had more blacks. He had more, uh, yeah. a lot of, a lot of, a lot of ethnic subgroups, but he lost old people. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. You, you were making, no, it just, I that, right. I mean, but I, it, I found it perfectly believable that even though Trump got, what was it? 7 million more. Yeah. Votes than he did in 2016. I found it perfectly believable, given the hysteria of the 2020 sure. election, that more people would have voted for Biden. And now that they're having buyer's remorse, I believe that they saw Biden as a means to an end. And the end was what they thought would be something like normal life. All right. And we haven't gotten it. You know, th- those promises. The pro- I think a lot of people thought that Biden would would get a handle on this virus and people would be able to return to something like their lives before and without the craziness of the Trump administration. And, and some of them just thought we'll go through four years of not hating each other and screaming at each other and throwing rocks at each other. Yeah. Now um, who's being naive? <laughs> yes, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you made it to the end. I hope you enjoyed yourself and learned something new. You can subscribe to the podcast to get notified of new episodes. You can also check us out on YouTube and Rumble since all of these are done on video as well. Thanks for listening and until next time.